Hello and welcome to our weekly message. In today's message, Pastor Byron continues our sermon series called James, Faith That Works. This week's message is titled Taming the Tongue from James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. Good morning, friends who have joined us online and you who are here in our worship auditorium. Great to see you this morning. Did you know that you and I have about 650 muscles in our body? And our muscles make up about 40% of our total body weight. Now, our largest muscle would be what? It's actually the one you're sitting on right now. The smallest muscle in our body is in the middle ear, and it's one millimeter long. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. In our scripture passage this morning, as we continue our journey through the book of James... James is going to zero in on eight specific muscles that come together to form a piece of tissue that weighs about 70 grams or one quarter of one percent of our total muscle mass. And that tissue and those eight muscles, of course, are attached to the floor of our mouths. We're talking about our mouths, our tongues, our speech. And that's in James chapter 3, verses 1 to 12. So when your Bible on your device, turn to James chapter 3. And I think we would all agree that though the tongue just comprises one quarter of 1% of muscle mass, and even less than that compared to our entire body, the potential reflected in our tongues, in our mouths, in our speech, for good or for ill, is huge. And James is going to challenge us this morning through the word of God to find in the Lord Jesus by intentionally leaning into him strength to tame our tongues. Now, to the early church believers that James wrote this letter to, sins of the tongue were prevalent. So, for example, in James 1.19, James says, everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak. And in chapter 4 and verse 11, he says, Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Those are just a couple of verses of several in the book of James that tell us that using their mouths and their speech in an inappropriate way was something that those believers were wrestling with. And so James, very candidly in this passage of Scripture, addresses it now. If you're like me, and uh, you know, maybe you can identify, I know that for me, that if I'm going to get myself into trouble, often it's my mouth that leads the way. So with that in mind, then, let's jump into this passage of Scripture where James challenges us in dependence upon the Lord Jesus to tame our tongue. And I would suggest that we're living in days culturally, societally, in which we have an incredible opportunity as followers of Jesus by speaking words that reflect his heart into this world, which seems more upset, angrier than ever, that God will work through us to be a powerful blessing in the lives of others and in culture. So I want you to see, first of all, in verses 1 to 4, the power of the tongue, the power of the tongue. Verse 1, not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. There's very much a sense in which James speaks of teachers in the more formal sense. Teachers, preachers, and James puts this caution before us that such an individual must be aware of the fact that there will be for them a higher accountability. But just in case one of us might think to ourselves, well, I'm not a teacher, so I'm off the hook here. 
James would say to us, not so quick, in our own households, in our people relationships with others, we, friends, have opportunities with others to influence by the lives that we live, by the things that we say, and in so doing, teach. And it's in that context, then, that James brings these words from the Word of God to us. Verse 2. We all stumble in many ways. Is that not a truism? Of course we do. How grateful we are for the mercy and grace of our Lord Jesus that when we stumble and confess, he's gracious to forgive, dust us off, and stand us up back on our feet. Then James writes this. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. I wonder if James thought of his oldest brother, his stepbrother, our Lord Jesus, when he wrote those words. I imagine our Lord Jesus throughout his earthly ministry never once saying something that he shouldn't say, always only saying that which he was supposed to say, and never once conveying anything other than what the Father by the Spirit of God wished to convey through him. So taking that as his backdrop, James now says to us, if you can control your mouth. That's a sign of a perfect or spiritually mature person. On the other hand, the person who is continually running into problems with their mouth as a follower of Jesus, that would be an indication of spiritual maturity. Next, James gives two illustrations to prove his point. Verse 3. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take as an example, or take the ships as an example, although, although they are so large and are driven by winds, they are steered by, very, by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. So James gives us two pictures here, the bit in the horse and the rudder that steers the ship. Think about the bit in the mouth of, mouth of a horse. With the bit in the mouth of a horse, a rider can steer a very powerful animal with just a small piece of steel. And James' point is, always be mindful that our tongues, our speech, has a radical power that's entirely disproportionate to its size. What we say is incredibly impactful. In the second illustration where the ship, the ocean-going vessel or a sailing vessel in James' day, that vessel is steered, a huge ocean-going vessel, by a small rudder on the back of the boat, and the captain can steer it wherever it wants. Take those two illustrations together, and James is making this point. With our tongues, and remember, our tongues, our speech, is radically disproportionate to its size, we can literally steer the course of another life. That's profound. Mull on that for a second. With the words that we speak, for good or for ill, we can steer the direction of a life. Back in 1983, Karen Carpenter passed away. And she passed away at the age of just 32 years as a result of heart failure that was the result of an eating disorder that she wrestled with all of her life, or from early days on. And it went back to one moment where someone made a casual comment, probably just a throwaway flippant comment, but 
this person referred to her as Richard's chubby sister. Now, there no doubt were a number of factors that came together in Karen Carpenter's life that ended up in such tragedy, but that single moment and phrase unleashed in her life a flurry of self-doubt that over the course of her life was compounded and resulted in her disease and ultimately, tragically, in her death at just 32 years of age. The power of our words. Here's the flip side. Two researchers, Andrew Newberg and Mark Waldem, in a paper titled, The Most Dangerous Word in the World, write these words. If I were to put you into an MRI scanner and flash the word no for less than one second, you, don't see a you would see a sudden release of dozens of stress-producing hormones and neurotransmitters. These chemicals immediately interrupt the normal functioning of your brain, impairing logic, reason, language, processing, and communication. On the other hand, positive words such as peace and love can alter the expression of genes, strengthening areas in your frontal lobes, and promoting the brain's cognitive functioning. They propel the motivational centers of the brain into action. I want to say it again. We're fearfully and wonderfully made. And... Solomon in Proverbs 18.21 would say this, the tongue is the power of life and death. With the words that we speak, we can literally invite someone to live, to soar, to experience more in their lives of who God created them to be. Or, with careless words, with thoughtless words, we can suck the wind right out of someone's sails and, in a sense, invite them to die. This is the power of our words. And remember the backdrop to this passage of scripture? The followers of Jesus in the early church to whom James wrote, they were wrestling with sins of the tongue. James wanted them to understand, and the Spirit, through his writing, us today as well, that the tongue has incredible power. Our words matter. Well, let's talk secondly about the peril of the tongue. The peril of the tongue in verses 5 to 8. And in these verses, James is going to give us three further vivid word pictures to help us to see the danger that's inherent in our tongues, in our speech, if our words and our mouths are not brought under the control of the Spirit of God. Verse 5, likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no one, no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Three very striking word pictures, and the first is that of fire. In a Jewish proverb, a fellow comes to his rabbi to ask for forgiveness because he has gossiped about the rabbi behind his back. And he goes to his rabbi and he says, Rabbi, will you please forgive me for the slander that I've spoken behind your back? And the rabbi says, absolutely, I forgive you. But the fellow wants to know what he might do to make better that which he's participated in by way of the sins of his mouth. So the rabbi says to that fellow, do this, take a pillow, 
climbed to the top of the mountain outside the village, and at the summit, ripped the pillow open and released the feathers to the wind. Now go and regather all of the feathers. And the fellow says to the rabbi, well, that's completely impossible. And so it is with our words. Once we release them, we don't get them back. We speak ungodly words, unkind words, unloving words, harsh words. Yes, the Spirit of God in His mercy can bring conviction to our hearts. And we can turn to the Lord Jesus in confession. And He will forgive and restore us. But we're never getting those words back. And just like a single match can set a great forest on fire, so are words, which James says when we speak ill, when we speak words that are not from the Lord Jesus, that are not by the Spirit of God, they're like the devil himself, empowered by the fires of hell. It's striking language. Those kinds of words is what James has in mind, and they are impactful. It's a very dangerous thing. James also talks about not only the fire, but he gives two more pictures. He says animals of all kinds can be tamed, but no one can tame the tongue. The tongue can be a wild beast that can wound people so easily. The tongue, our speech, can be like a deadly poison. Just one or two drops of a deadly poison is enough to do serious harm. And that's the picture that James gives us of our tongues, of our speech. So friends, what do we do? I love these verses in Mark chapter 5. Jesus is with the disciples. And there is a man who is demonized and causing all kinds of difficulty. And this is what Mark's gospel says in the fifth chapter. He, this man, this demonized man, had been chained hand and foot But he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was able to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills he would cry out and cut himself with stones. So that's the guy. He's speaking blasphemously. Those are the words that are coming from his mouth. But then what did the Lord Jesus do? By his grace and by the power of his might he cast the demons out of the man. And that man went away praising God. And telling others about what Jesus had done for him. This is the grace and the power of our Lord Jesus Christ. To take control of our mouths and our tongues. So that our speech brings glory to God and blessing to others. With that in mind, now might be a good time for us to take a moment of introspection. When you go to your physician, perhaps she or he says... Would you open your mouth, stick out your tongue, and say, ah, let's take a moment in our hearts right now to go before the great physician and ask him, Lord Jesus, would you examine my tongue? Would you examine my speech? Would you in your mercy bring conviction to my heart in ways where I have not done as you call me to do, where I've not been what you call me to be, then receive Jesus' forgiveness, and then... And then, friends, while we cannot tame our tongues on our own, we can't consistently use our words to glorify God and to bless others. If I'm in control of that, trouble is just around the corner. 
But this same Lord Jesus who set that man free in Mark chapter 5, he, as we invite him to take control of us by his Holy Spirit, receiving the same by faith, Jesus empowers us to do by his grace and strength what we can't do on our own, which is tame our tongues such that that which we speak is a glory to God and an encouragement to others. Let's conclude by talking about the potential of the tongue. And in verses 9 to 12, we have some more word pictures, and this passage is filled with them. But we're going to flip this around a little bit. There's been lots of warning. Let's think through in the moments that are before us, as I conclude, about the possibilities, the potential for God's glory and for strength in the lives of others as the Spirit of God takes control of our mouths and speaks Jesus' words of life through us. Verse 9. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. In these verses, James is reminding us that really there are two fundamental purposes for our speech, if you boil it right down. Two fundamental purposes. Two places where we can settle down. One is to bless and the other would be to curse. James says, ironically, in the created world, nature is not in confusion in that regard. A freshwater spring is never going to issue forth salt water. A grapevine is never going to bear figs, and a fig tree is never going to bear olives. But in God's highest creation, in people, weirdly, ironically, sadly, on the one hand, we can praise the Lord our God and then speak snarly or with contempt or with harsh words to people who are very, uh, who are image bearers of Almighty God. And James says plainly, this should not be. But again, let's flip this around and let's think through the possibilities here, the potential of our mouths, our tongues, our speech for great blessing. Picture a gentleman, he's visually impaired, and he is seated on the sidewalk, and there's a cup beside him, and he's hoping that passers-by will place some coins in his cup. Passers-by go by, but no one really stops to put coins in the cup, and he's got a sign right beside him that says, I'm blind, please help me. Sometime later in the day, all of a sudden, to his joy, he hears the sound of coins ringing in the, ca- in the cup, and he's perplexed by it. He wonders why all of a sudden all of the passers-by are now stopping to give him some alms, to give him a few coins in his cup. And then a lady comes to him. She leans over, and she says, I changed what your sign reads, and I changed it to this. It's a beautiful day but I can't see it. Words matter. Words are powerful. Words are influential. So think of this. In any given day, we'll speak about 16,000 words. 16,000 words. 
That's six million words in a year. Over the course of our lifetime, give or take, we'll speak 350 million words. Now imagine us as followers of Jesus living in the filling of the Spirit of God. Can we begin to ponder in our marriages, in our families, in our neighborhoods, at our places of work, in our faith community, at our schools? Can we begin to ponder, acknowledging what Solomon said, that the tongue is the power of life? Can we imagine the good in lives of people for God's glory? As daily we choose in dependence upon the Spirit of God and in yieldedness to Jesus to leverage the words that we will speak for a blessing in the lives of others. May God grant that it would be so. Let's pray. Father, what an amazing gift is the gift of speech. The ability to communicate. Incredible gift. And thank you as well, Lord Jesus, that you have granted to us and called us by the very words that we speak to be a strong blessing one to another. May for each of us, Father, by your Spirit, take control of our mouths in these days that we would speak words of affirmation and blessing and life and encouragement into the lives of others. And by the same token, Lord Jesus, do forgive us for those times in which we've crossed a line there, and we know it, and your Spirit has provoked us, and we have spoken something to someone in a manner that does not reflect your heart, Lord Jesus. Thank you for forgiving us. We lean into you anew this morning and ask that your strength would be our strength, that you would be glorified, and that our people relationships would be blessed by the very words that we speak. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for our weekly message. The tongue is powerful. Words we say have the power to build up or to destroy. When words leave our mouth, they're gone. We can't take them back. How do you use your words? Is there anything that you need to ask forgiveness for, either to people or to God? Let us choose this day and going forward to ask the Spirit of God to control our mouths and may the words we say be a blessing and encouragement to all we meet. Now these words from Numbers chapter 6, verses 24 to 26. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you his peace. May God bless you as you go into the remainder of your day to be the hands, feet, and voice of Jesus.